Well, hello and welcome to episode 180 of the 1099 for the week of December 24th, 2018. Yes, that's Christmas Eve. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a developer, designer, writer, and creative director at Supergiant Games, and one of the main minds behind hits like Bastion, Transistor, Pyre, and now Hades, a 1099 favorite, Greg Kasavin. Greg, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me back. It's, it's good to be here again. <laughs> I did not expect to talk to you this quickly after we did. We did a post-Pyre podcast, um, Pyre being one of my favorite games of the year, uh, that year that came out, and talked about the entire development process and everything like that. And usually with Supergiant, I assume, like, all right, maybe we'll talk in like two years, three years, something like that. But no, here we are. It is the end of 2018, and you have a new game out. Uh, for people who don't know, Hades is now available. It's in early access. You can get it on the Epic Store. It was revealed at the Game Awards, and I'm always fascinated with developers who, you know, especially like indie developers, how you decide when to reveal something and not just when, but where to reveal something. So at what point did the team at Supergiant Games decide that the Game Awards was the best spot for something like Hades to debut? Yeah, uh, so so the plan to launch and reveal the game at the same time was uh, came about pretty early on along with... Uh, along with ideas for the project as a whole. Um, probably the, the key aspect of Hades that makes its like inception uh, distinct from, from each of our previous games, uh, and, and we have started each of our previous games kind of uh, with a different mindset and doing some things pretty differently, is we, we planned a lot more aspects of Hades. Um, <laughs> planning is not something that we have done a great deal of when it comes to the pre-production of our games. We just kind of uh, do the game development equivalent of letting ourselves wander in the woods uh, for a while. Um, we start with some preoccupations, kind of like some some uh, vague or maybe sometimes slightly specific ideas of what kind of what kind of experience we're we're going for, but. Um, until we start building it, we don't really know, and we, we've we built our games traditionally in a very kind of organic way, taking these twists and turns until it uh, becomes what it is. And then, yeah, it, it, typically it takes us, you know, well over a year before we even have something cohesive that we could put out there and, and announce. Um, you've seen that with games like uh, Pyre and, and Transistor, where, um, where, you know, they're announced a good year or so before uh, we actually launch them. Um, with Hades we're like we were really eager to just hit the ground running and and make something that we could start iterating on quickly that could be uh, uh, that could be fun to play quickly uh and the early access aspect of it was something that was right there uh, as as like a kind of cornerstone of what we wanted to do uh with a game that informed like the theme uh and and every aspect of the design and then you know wanting to announce the game and and get it out there like about uh, by the end of this year was was part of that original plan um and when we thought about what kind of opportunities there were to do that uh the game awards certainly stood out um there's uh you know in the past there have been other uh, like good occasions for things like that maybe events like PSX but uh, P yeah. the PSX uh was it was not a thing this year and uh, our early access is on PC anyway um so that wasn't a thing, and you know the game. The game awards are just have had really great, like independent game reveals. I think year after year. So we we sort of thought, what if what if we could maybe be one of those this time around? Um, and we we started talking to 
uh, Jeff Keighley, who is the the creator of the Game Awards and the host, and just an incredibly uh, hardworking and talented person, in my opinion. Um, but we started we started talking to Jeff uh, quite early on, um, and and but you know by the it, it became a thing. <laughs> what, yeah. what else can I say? So we're all very <laughs> we're very relieved that it um, that it all happened uh, quite quite according to plan. Actually, looking back on the whole thing. And of course, the entire thing is a pressure cooker because you're revealing it and then it's launching and yeah. then people can start playing it immediately. But even like afterward, now that you've seen that the Game Awards did like what crazy amount of streams, it was like 20, 30, 40 million or something like that. Like so many people watched that show because this game is early access and you guys aren't used to that. Usually when you're done, it's like, all right, we feel really good about like the state of this. We're good to go. Maybe small tweaks, but it's out there versus something like Hades, which is really incredible game i'm really enjoying it so far but you know you know there's still a lot to be done was there nervousness with like this might be one to two million people immediately playing our game and we're not done with it um we felt you know we felt really good about the state of what we had uh i think that was the greatest source of our uh, confidence going into the announcement um there there was for sure tons of nervousness and anxiety and there always is yeah. uh, um, because a lot of it is just like it doesn't matter even how good you think your game is you still don't know how people will like evaluate your creative choices right like how people will regard the theme and the characters things that no matter how polished it is you can't really you can't really change those things uh, at least not that easily right like the game's a whole like like important aspects of the game's identity are set in stone no matter how much you then continue to iterate um and we we the way we approached the early access launch we knew that we wanted to launch with like a smaller set of the game's eventual full content at at a relatively high uh, quality level that was comparable to the quality of games we've released in the past and we had been uh, playtesting it a lot and enjoying it internally so the team was feeling good um about the state of the game so i think we were we we were feeling as as sort of good as ever on that front but the part where we had to like coordinate this announcement launch make sure the thing was playable uh make sure that there were ways for people to get in touch with us and you know report any issues that stuff for sure uh is uh, has always been nerve-wracking and was particularly sort of complex uh, on this because we've never announced and launched a game at the same time. We've always separated yeah. those two events. So it was a big like undertaking for, for our team, and it felt... Uh, but it was exciting, right? It, it was like a plan that we had for a long time, and we were, uh, we were building toward it for a long time. So we just kind of took every precaution and did the best we could and uh, tried to sort of position ourselves to be responsive to any issues that might arise um, and and then, you know, crossed our fingers a lot, I think. <laughs> you mentioned jumping right into Hades, you know, development right after and being like, all right, let's go right all the way for this. And last time we talked, uh, we had discussed the idea of would you ever do a sequel? Would you do a Bastion 2? Would you do a Transistor 2? Anything like that. Uh, your last game was very, you know, cosmic basket. Like, however you want to describe the sports aspect of what Pyre was, and I loved it. But you as a team, after you were done making that, were you ready to go all in on something more 
action-based compared to what Pyre was? Was there was this moment of we want to swing back to something closer to Bastion? Do you think you wanted to dive into this because of the type of game that Pyre was? Each of our games, I think, in in some respects, has been a reaction to the last game that we worked on. Um, and we never even start thinking about uh, the next game we're going to make until after we're done with the current game we're working on. So that that's um, that's a I think a worthwhile bit of context to understand how yeah. we make the decisions that we make. Um, you know, so so Transistor we only started talking and thinking about well after Bastion was already out in the world, and same goes for Pyre after Transistor, and same goes for Hades after Pyre. We started talking about it um, about a month or so after. Um, after Pyre had launched, and and for sure, I think we were uh, we were eager to start working on something that we could just like see the results really quickly, um, and we felt like Pyre uh, um, Pyre explored like a lot of really fascinating questions for us, um, and we spent a long time in development building toward this moment of like developing friendships with these fictional characters, developing a bond with them, and then getting into these situations where uh, you had to say goodbye to them, uh, like, willingly, and not in, like, a... not in a sad, they're dead way, in, in more of a bittersweet, <laughs> like, they're going to a better place uh, kind of way. So, uh, but in order to, like, achieve that kind of moment, y you can't just, like, prototype it and play it. You ha it It's a slow burn. Um, so, so it really took us a long time uh, working on Pyre to to like get to the heart of it, um, and we knew there was gonna be something there, and we found it. Um, but the pre-production and the iteration to get there was, uh, you know, was slow going. Um, and having worked on that game, we were it really helped us uh, sort of explore uh, what we can do as a team. And having worked on Transistor and Bastion before that, now you know we've been together as a team for uh, close to ten years, and we have a pretty good knack for things that we do well and things that are more more challenging for us, and things we like to do and things we don't like to do as much. Um, so, uh, Hades was kind of like, in addition to wanting to do the early access thing where we could keep building the game, have like a living game that we could keep building uh, in partnership with the feedback that we were getting from players. Um, we wanted it to, we almost thought of it as like a greatest hits type of design where like, let's take the most successful aspects of our previous games. Um, Cause it can be so frustrating for us even to, to like learn all this valuable stuff working on a game and then feel like we have to discard it for the next <laughs> game that we work on. It's like, we can make something new while still combining ideas that have worked for us in the past and get to something that's fun and exciting to play for us uh, quickly and that we will enjoy playing all through development if we design it around replayability. Um, so that was some of the mindset. Um, and we, you know, t to one of the points you made, uh, every time we do consider whether it might be the occasion to uh, return to one of our previous worlds or something like that, like we love the worlds of our previous games and um, you know, even though we've never returned to one of them thus far, but in this particular case, with all the other goals that we had, it just didn't make sense to like graft this type of experience onto Bastion or Transistor or something like that. That that felt it felt dishonest. Um, and and we really do love uh, creating 
new worlds from scratch. So um, that uh, thus the the theme of this game uh, came into the conversation. And even the part where it's like adapted uh, from from an existing mythology and fiction was an exciting change of pace for us because uh, kind of ironically, uh, it's like a new challenge for us to adapt something. Uh, rather than to make it from scratch, because we've been making stuff up from scratch, you know, for three games straight. Uh, where, whereas the idea of adapting Greek mythology, we felt we had a really specific and and uh, exciting to us uh, angle on it. So we we quickly jumped it. Uh, th- that quickly felt exciting, and we we chase after the stuff that is exciting for folks on the team because they have to do the work. <laughs> they might as well be they might as well be stoked to do it, right? Yeah, you should probably like the shit you're doing. That should yeah. that should probably be like one of the core design principles. It's of the- it's, su- it's surprisingly hard to like stay focused on that sometimes. Uh, but yeah. I I look for that a lot. Like sometimes folks will have these kind of almost like water cooler style conversations where they they'll joke around about some ridiculous thing, start kind of gleefully laughing about a certain idea for the game. But they'll do it in a way where it's like it's like a joke, right? Like oh, we would never do that. Uh, um, I I wish I could come up with an example off the top of my head it happens all the time like where it's like oh man it, it, that would be amazing but we're never going to mm. do that uh, my, my whole thing is like that's exactly what we should be doing <laughs> like it, the stuff that makes us kind of gleefully excited that way um that's going to translate into into the most interesting experience because that's going to be the stuff that we kind of approach in the most uh, joyful way while working on it and and i think you feel that as a player like on the other side of the on the other side of the screen, as it were. So um, I, I totally yeah. agree. And like the thing is, I, I've been in a, a few teams now where you have those meetings early on about what's our theme. You kind of have an idea of maybe here's the gameplay we're going to go for, but what's our theme? What are we theming this around? And in those meetings, I always try to avoid the not what's easiest, but it's like, all right, we have this many resources. What's the least resource intensive or what do we think will grab the most people? Every once in a while you hear certain maybe an art director or a designer just start go off on this idea that would be difficult but they're just passionate about it and they're thinking of it in this really unique way and they're like yeah but we probably couldn't do that and i agree with you that should be like the if we can make it work we should make that work because you care about it because it's something that you immediately are attached to and have feelings for and emotions about not some well let's do the lowest common denominator because that's going to be the easiest i think that's something that people might forget because it is hard to have it even with an indie team to have everyone on the same page with an idea for a project there's always a couple people who are like well i wish we were doing this or that but you at least want to get everyone to a certain extent excited to talk about this world in this game did that happen pretty quickly for your team just to be excited about hades yeah it's it well um it, Pretty quickly, of course, is relative, but for sure, um, relative to our previous games, it it did. Like we went through many, many hours of laborious discussion to like figure out what were even our priorities for our new game. Um, but as we were discussing ideas, like across dozens of hours of of discussion, um, certain themes did start to emerge. Like like these things, like hey, why don't we make a game that that people could replay that 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 we could continue to to build upon instead of just the kind of one and done um, aspect of our previous games where we we launch them the entirety of the content is there people burn through it you know between one and three days and then we spend another three years making another one what if we could make a game where it had like a longer shelf life um, where we could put it out there and almost build it more like a almost have the feeling more of like a like a show where 
the the first launches kind of the pilot episode and sets up the story and characters and then over time we build toward an exciting conclusion so ultimately it will have the rewarding narrative payoff that we've we've strived to create for each of our previous games but there will be more space between the launch and 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 that point so th that was some of the stuff i was thinking about from like a narrative standpoint and i think it was appealing in in general um a lot of little things like that and then once we became more kind of self-conscious of what those priorities were that kept kind of bubbling to the forefront of our of our discussions then it was easier to identify themes uh, and ideas that actually like met those those priorities um and 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 that's where the idea for uh for this game came from or that's how it was born and that's like part of how it was born of like a more just there was just a little bit more structure in our discussion up front, which was really appealing to me personally, even though <laughs> my title is creative director. Um, I'm, I'm big on uh, pursuing like a path. Um, I, I want to, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable uh, like pursuing an idea for, for a, for a long period of time. And, and I, but that can be, that could be a challenge um, in a, among a creative team that that doesn't want to uh, under, very understandably doesn't want to lock itself into an idea before you've built it. Um, so so the trick is, you know, to some of the stuff you were saying, you want to reach um, for something that is exciting and feels ambitious to you, uh, but of course you want to pursue an idea that you feel that you have any chance of being able to execute well. Um, so it's like maximizing excitement internally among the team and maximizing sort of the potential sort of efficiency of the production because you need to build it. Um, you don't want to get stuck being unable to to create the thing that you want because then, uh, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. So yeah. that's taken us many, many... I I don't think it's like a an, an ability that can be mastered or anything. It's just something that we, we we've gained... It's been different for us every time. Um, this time it felt like we got off to like a faster start than we have in the past and th it, it started to produce results that we were excited about. So uh, I don't know if it's like a repeatable process for us because we've never repeated exactly the same process two games in a row. But, uh, you know, this time it's been working um, and, and it helped us uh, stay focused and get to something that folks on the team enjoyed playing and enjoyed working on and and i think if 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 that w wasn't the case we wouldn't have been able to like create and announce and launch the game you, you know and in as little time as as we were able to do all that or it was like you know we started talking about it in uh uh september i guess of last year and and here we are a little over a year uh, later having having launched it um That's crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah, we felt we wanted to we wanted to get back to work. I think three years for us working on a game, we're all by the end of that period were, uh, you know, it turns out we enjoy making video games. We're just like a anxious to to move on to the next thing as much as much love as we have for the thing that we just worked on. It's like time time for a palate cleanser. Yeah, 
and you did mention more structure this time around. It sounds like you seeking structure is like the deep down producer in you where you want some sort of like, all right, what's our schedule? What Let's commit to some ideas early on. But, you know, creative people, that's not always the way they work, especially if that's not the way you've worked up to this point. I mean, we're both mutual friends with Corey Davis, who did Spec Ops The Line and Here They Lie. I feel like I've worked with him. If I tried to like really heavily produce him, he would not make as good of stuff he needs to go out into the desert or go think about life for a while before he starts crafting a narrative did it take a while maybe not for you but for other members of the team to adjust to that structure to adjust to the hey we don't have three years to explore these ideas we want to launch this in a year let's hit the ground running yeah i mean we we definitely um folks had time for sure it's not like we just knuckled down and started building a game you know a month later uh, it's it's more that the conversation started right um yeah. we we definitely needed space though even for the conversations um i personally um am like uh am not the sort to have to sort of want like seek in that level of enlightenment between projects um mm-hmm. i can i can I can seek that in more local ways, I guess. I, I feel fortunate to live in an area where I can like go on walks just around here. <laughs> um, but I, I, it is really, really important that we that we clear our heads and sort of reset between projects, and and we were able to do that. Um, but but in in the case of the transition between a pyre and and working on Hades, I think we all felt. After Pyre, uh, it was a long project, and and I'll, I'll speak I'll speak personally. I didn't know where I was at with stuff, and I was like more I was much more anxious to start having conversations about what was going to happen next than I was to just like chill out and not worry. I wasn't in a place where I could like chill out and not worry about stuff. It was just impossible for me. My priority was to decide, okay, what now. Um, and I and and we knew I knew that we did need to give that space. We can't just rush into something. We need to like take a deep breath and and take some time. But for me, you know, that's measurable in a couple of weeks. I don't need I don't need months of time. And I've never I've I've frankly never had it um, at any point like between projects. So I don't I don't even know what it's like. Um, but but I um you know I I try to. I just like immerse myself in other media. I change. Uh, oops, my screen blacked out for a sec. Yeah, it used. To, it's still there. Yeah, cool. Uh, I try to immerse myself in other media. You know, change up all the music I listen to. Change my scenery, um, and and just kind of reset myself between projects for sure and get into a different mindset. But there's always like, I just there's so many games I would, I wish I could make, and I know. I'll never get to work on like 99% of them. So I do want to choose wisely or or influence the the choices that I'll be a part of wisely as much as possible because it's going to affect my life so much. So I have a lot of inve- like sort of personal sense of investment in in um making sure that we we kind of pick the right projects because if we don't make those choices well we're going to be i mean we've always i'm i'm really happy with all the choices that we've we've made to be to be clear about the kind of games that we've pursued but it's a lot of pressure too because it's like the opportunity cost right of what you work on it's going to be like three years of your 
it's more than it's more than however much time it takes because it sticks with you forever. I still talk about you know Bastion and Transistor. It's like working on those games. It's like it's a it's been a huge part of my life. So they're 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 life changing decisions. So it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure to to um, to decide what game you want to work on. But at some point you just have to you have to choose. Um, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, it is a weird thing because you don't think about it as this, maybe not like life-defining, but this large portion of your life-defining moment where you finally decide this is what we're making. And sometimes at the start of a game when you're thinking of ideas, it might be flippant. It might be, oh, let's try this. Let's do with that. Let's experiment with this. But, you know, especially for you guys, like if something you, you commit to something like Pyre, that's three years of your life and you better be sure you like that idea going in. And just funny looking back now, last time we talked was September 18th of last year, which means at this point... You were probably in like Hades meetings or like close to. This is when we're talking about Bastion too, and you're like, "Motherfucker, I already know what I'm making in the background." Oh the well, we were, time. if that was September, we were probably um, we were probably you know right in the midst of those discussions. Yeah, I I think oh, by man, the I end could of have September, totally gotten that out of you. That could, that could have oh, been the hot I, exclusive right then. Yeah, no, I I think I would have been like, you know, I I I don't like to talk about stuff that were, yeah when we're like right in the you know when we're right in the middle of it when i don't know what's going to happen i i don't i don't want to <laughs> like i didn't yeah, know it was going to i i didn't know how those conversations were going to go at all until like there are a lot of ideas that we were excited about that that we talked through there it's just like it was the thing where you know you might you might have because we have to make those decisions w with consensus it's not like about it's not like a democratic vote where you know three people say let's do this and two people say let's not so we go with that idea because majority rules yeah. like we need everybody on board and everybody excited so there's certain ideas where it's like ah darn it like this is so close <laughs> like most people are excited about this but a couple of people are not and the reasons they're not excited about it are totally valid like they they are not excited about it with good reason and and they don't even need any reasons honestly it's like if they're yeah. key people or like like the 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 folks at our studio have been together through thick and thin since Bastion. It's like, if they're not feeling one of these ideas, then we're not doing it because we have to move together on this stuff. Um, so just finding that sort of Venn diagram overlap because we're we're pretty different people, and I think that's like part of our secret strength uh, is that like we pursue these ideas that maybe no one person at the studio would have chosen individually but through the kind of through the discussion and the synthesis we arrive at these things where all of us uh, are excited about it even though if you were to have pulled any in individual one of us at the start of the project and said you know what would you make if you could make anything it wouldn't be um it would be something different than what we what we end up making um yeah yeah and, so, and you are taking into account player feedback really for the first time which you mentioned earlier in the podcast where you know this game came out in a year and you're going there's like right now like a big 20 days until next major updates sort of message right there so of course you have ideas of what needs to be quote-unquote fixed or what needs to be added the level of polish needs to go into it but you're also listening to people on twitter seeing people's posts on reddit seeing the community on Twitch, play through your game for the first time, which, you know, you, you were at GameSpot for a long time. You've been writing for a long time. You know how it is where you might look at something for too long and then suddenly someone else looks at it or plays it or reads it and you're like, oh, how did I miss this? How did I miss that? That you can't really catch during development. So how much is player feedback being taken into account? And maybe more importantly, 
are you trying to not get lost in some of the, the suggestions and comments? Because I remember talking to Eric Pope, um, who's working on For Honor in the community role, and talking about there's all these people who I hate saying like armchair developers because, you know, if you're fans of it, you want to see changes, you have ideas, but they might not understand what goes into actually doing that. Is there a balance in your brain for what should we listen to and what is just not feasible? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think like I think taking feedback has always been a, vi a just a super vital part of our process. And we um, so this is just really an extension of how we've always worked. And I think we have, it It obviously remains to be seen in terms of how this early access goes, but I think we went into this with a clear sense of the role that a player feedback would have in our development. And, and I think we frame this um, appropriately uh, to our community. Um, we have a whole a Discord channel that's set up where anyone can go in there and give us feedback and we have something that we ask them to read uh, before they do so um, that that explains you know how to give us feedback effectively as well as how we process that feedback um, and explains that um, you know some of those things like we won't we won't use all the feedback that comes in and uh, sometimes and and one of the most important points though there is that like proposing a solution as part of the feedback is really super, super optional from our perspective. Um, what we really value is feedback around player experience. So, you know, I, it can be really kind of micro, like in Hades, the first weapon you start off with is a sword. It could be like, I felt the sword was weak. That is great feedback for us. It's super yeah. important. And, um, and many people may report something like that to us, and that's a, a good example of something like no matter how much we noodle with it internally, until we get that feedback from players, um, like once we get that feedback from the real player community, then it, it really crystallizes some of the decisions we should be making on like a tuning level. And my colleague uh, Amir Rao, our studio director, uh, he, who does all the uh, kind of the tuning and balancing, he's he eats the stuff up. It's it's like it's wonderful to have uh, like balanced feedback from the community because um, some of these folks uh, play the game. Th they quickly become like pretty hardcore players, even you know above and beyond our own like internal testing. So they're really well informed about the game's sort of tuning and, and balancing issues. Um, yeah. So that kind of feedback is is outstanding. Uh, then of course we get feedback across all dimensions of the game and about the story and, you know, the music and the voice acting, whatever else. Um, and that's really valuable too. Like we don't have to, we don't have to act on it. Um, we just have to take it in and we want to hear it because we're not making this game for ourselves. We're making it for, for other players out there. Right. Like otherwise we wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't offer it. Um, if, if it wasn't for other people. So knowing what they think, knowing what they want out of it, is really instructive um, and the way we reconcile it is that we have our own plans we know we know what we want the game to be and we know where it's going and we we basically n now carve out a large portion of our time from month to month to uh, basically to not be scheduled to account for stuff that we find um, from feedback that we think is worth pursuing 
and that's always like a judgment call um an ongoing uh judgment that we have to make but it, we know what we want the game to make it to be so we can always um you know, we have to be able to tie the feedback back to our broader goals. It's not like we're sitting there and going like, well, tell us what to do. We know what we want to do. Uh, we could just make it better um, if we hear about how we're doing and what are the things that uh, players uh, most want to see. Um, it lets us prioritize uh, our work uh, better and, and just like make make better decisions, I think. One of the things that really stood out for me, uh, I was I would look, watch the entire no clip documentary that you guys are doing, which is going to be ongoing during early access. And one of the things I really liked is there's this moment before the game is about to be kind of content locked uh, until it actually goes on early access, where your entire team is doing play tests and sitting in this like circle and being really honest about the things that were good and the things that were bad mm -hmm. about their different play sessions, which is integral to something like this that's constantly evolving. But did it take a while to be able to be that honest with each other in, in terms of maybe someone specifically didn't like the art of this one thing or the music of this one thing that to a certain extent i'm not saying single someone out but essentially saying you this needs to be better and you know who essentially you're talking about yeah. did it take a while to have that level of trust where you can be that open and honest um you know i i i feel like the way you're asking i should i should be saying like yes it took a while but i i don't <laughs> i don't know that like it's I feel like like the 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 more from the gut answers like I don't remember it ever being uh, a different way. Um, the the part that's a little bit the the part that's always tricky is like uh, our team uh, and I should have mentioned this uh, before actually like uh, another part of the reason we we've been able to uh, get this game out um, in the state you know as as quickly as as we have is that we grew our team this year. There's some really really key new contributors uh on our team who who helped us get there um when when our team grows a little bit and their new new faces and voices as part of that conversation we do really always want to make sure that that those folks feel comfortable um like saying what they what they think um and that but but i mean we go around the room and everybody like like we always instruct people when they join our team to just sort of to just watch the dynamics of the team and watch how uh, watch how folks interact um and and hopefully they just see that everybody's there just doing the best they can and being being upfront with everyone else um you know being respectful but being but being constructive and and candid right and and yeah that's like a no one no one at face value would would say that you shouldn't be that way, right? Everyone would agree that that's just how everybody should be all the time, right? It, it, and the, and the reality is 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 trickier than the than the ideal. But I think I think it is one of those things where we've been together as a group for a long time, and there's just there's just no reason to sugarcoat stuff. I mean, we have to we have to be constructive because it's people because to your point, it is people's work and they care about it. But a lot of our playtest sessions uh are like really they're really critical they've always been like, like pyre had had absolutely brutal uh internal playtests um brutal in the sense that like man they they were it, it, it they, we we came away from those saying like we need to make big changes here uh, and work, we kept yeah. making big changes um and and one of the early signs of of like sort of uh optimism on on Hades was that um, 
like yeah just more people on the team liked the game faster um people were like hey that was huh that was pretty cool i saw the you know there are a million things that are busted um and a million things to be fixed but i i kind of had fun there you know that was interesting i wanted to keep playing um so we look for we look for that kind of feedback but um the the other thing is the like we we now have a better sense of the role of the kind of roundtable feedback discussion um we use that like very specifically to gauge people's sort of mood and gut reaction to what they just played um so it's not really about like the stuff that people talk talking about in that forum being the stuff that we go back and do it's like hey what what did you think in general just high level how did it how did it leave you feeling um yeah. but then we still we go back we also do like a a survey uh, typically um and and just basically create a whole bunch of tasks around all the specific issues so we get much more uh, specific and detailed about uh, problems we ran into opportunities uh we see for the game um, and we write all that stuff down so we could actually act on it. Um, but, but going around the room and gauging people's like experience with it is all good. And it's like, I, I, I hope that no one in those discussions has ever felt like, oh, you know, the person to my left said they liked it. Therefore I have to say, I liked it too. It's like that, that would, I, I just don't think any of us even want to want to hear that. We would rather hear from people, um, what, what they honestly thought. Uh, yeah. Oh, the, like like the last the last point on this is that we've learned that when someone on the team like has a particular experience with the game that may not be like super positive they're just like they basically represent they're like a they're a one person sample size of like a player population um so since we do have different people different types of players and mindsets on the team they represent we think different kind of player archetypes out there um so when someone, you know, we have the more like hardcore type players. We also have players who like are le are less hardcore than that, and that like represent th that internally for us kind of represents the gamut of different player types out there, right? People have different preferences around game difficulty and all those kinds of things that are big challenges to to find kind of the perfect balance for the vast majority and to provide options for players to kind of skew the experience toward their particular preferences. So by, by having those play, uh, internal playtests, um, we start to wrap our heads around what, what the kind of breadth of the experience should be like and how do we cater to this type of uh, player uh, w while not alienating that type of player and that those types of questions um, are, are important to think about. Yeah, and I, I've talked to a lot of different developers who have put their games out on early access, but even though there's a lot of people who've done that, there's no perfect formula at this point. One of my favorite conversations was talking to um, the Dead Cells developers as soon as that game was on early access yeah. and them saying, like, this was a tower defense game at some point. Now look at it. Like, this game has gone through so many unbelievable changes. So, and honestly, in terms of what I would compare your game to the most in terms of where it's at in early access is something like Dead Cells. And the reason I say that is because there's obvious like, hey, we're going to add more content to this. This is just sort of this slice right now, but you can immediately see where it's going. You can see the polish in the combat and the polish in certain aspects of the, the art style and the story and the feel of it. It feels like a game that knows what it is and will grow into its full form over time. Who did you talk to during this year-long, a little bit over a year-long development cycle about early access and how you wanted to tackle that 
Yeah. So, um, so first off, thank thank you. I'll I'll take I'll take the Dead Cells comparison as <laughs> as, as high praise because um, I, I I absolutely love that game and that game I think um, for sure is what that game is one of the specific examples of uh, you know from from where we sat as like as as like players and as customers of like uh, a really it felt like a really successful early access where the game just just straight out the gate it was a great game like i i think i bought that game close to day one and had a blast with it it was like immediately worth my 20 dollars or whatever i yeah. whatever i paid and then it was that experience of like well this is only going to get better from here and i and then you know i played it during early access and then after their 1.0 launch and so on and there are a couple of other examples that really stood out to us uh that include um a game called Slay the Spire that is still uh, is still in early access now, but also started incredibly strong um, and was compelling uh, straight away, um, and has very kind of methodically updated. They actually update once a week, um, even though it's oh a very God. very small team, and their that game is just so good. Um, and and uh, a couple of years back, there was Darkest Dungeon, a similar case where it was just great from the start in my opinion and and just only kind of grew from there so that that was that those kind of games for us like like represented what we felt was the right approach as opposed to trying to like cram in a hundred percent of the game content but at like a really rough state um and we like we talked to i mean i don't want to i don't want to like whatever name name names about everyone who we talk to right Uh, but but like we we have uh, we have friends and peers in the development community who have worked on uh, early access games, um, who and, and who have worked on roguelikes, um, who really helped, uh, like reinforce some of our uh, suspicions and assuage some of our fears and 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 enlighten us to certain ideas that we weren't thinking about. Um, we still, I think approached it very much knowing that we're we're new at this um and we're not gonna learn a lot of things until we just bite the bullet and get this thing out there um but i think for sure uh we have benefited from some of the knowledge and experience of folks who have gone through this kind of process before us and and uh, they were generous enough to share some of their wisdom with us uh, as to whether we applied it you know <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we, we'll have to see but uh, so far so good uh, for sure i think uh, for us we're, we're very happy with how the launch has uh, i i don't know that i i don't know that our launch could have gone i told i told my my dad as i was like returning from the game awards like how did it go i'm like well I don't know how much better it could have gone, but it could have gone infinitely worse. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm very I'm very happy with the response and the initial launch and how our community has been around the game. It's just I think we and and we knew that this launch was just the beginning. That was like probably the most important, the single most important lesson is just that to not treat the launch as as the end, uh, which is kind of a bit closer to how it can feel with our previous games, uh, even though we continue yeah. to support them afterwards. We're not like adding, you know, story to them or something like that. Whereas here, this launch is just the starting point, and it's even more. It's more important what we do from here on out than what we did um, getting to this point. 
in a lot of ways because uh, I, I think if you like you think about your relationship to any you know online game or like a, if you play like MMOs or something like that like you don't necessarily remember the launch you just kind of remember your experience over time or, or the people forget about the launch day right like yeah. it's like it's if the servers were down on launch day it's like well whatever what matters is did they fix it uh did they mm -hmm. stick with it um did they support their community and so on so we're um we try to position ourselves to be able to uh, like to be able to keep supporting this game so now we have to prove that that's what we're going to do um so our our work is quite cut out for us i i think in this coming year yeah and we've talked in past podcasts about how weird it is for you especially as someone who's thinking about narrative who's thinking about characters to d develop these games for three years and then when it's out you're almost saying goodbye to these yeah. people who have been a big part of your life and now it's very different for you you can continue to add on to that you can continue to expand the narrative as it goes based on you know user suggestion team suggestion your yeah. own ideas and the 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 early access thing is is super to talk a little bit more about it i'm, I'm happy i'm not too far off with the dead cells being an inspiration because i like not i hate to be reductive but my first thought was like oh you took certain lessons from Dead Cells in here that I think it's, it's really it's a smart way to go. But what I always worry about with an early access game, and of course you've probably all thought of this too, is when it comes out, it gets this big bump at the start, and then maybe with some games it hits the ceiling, and then over time some of the player base goes a little bit lower and lower because it's not yep. the new thing anymore. And then by the time the game is quote-unquote complete or at least content-locked or out of beta... People are like, oh, well, I already saw that a yep. year or two years ago. And I, I, Dead Cells kind of had the opposite. For me, I played through a hell of a lot of Dead Cells. And then by the time it actually came out, I had kind of moved on, even though I recognized it was the opposite for a lot of people. A lot of people yeah. played a little bit of early access, came out on Switch and it exploded. And suddenly it's the game of the year for a lot of people. But how do you think your team is going to maintain interest in a game that is out right now in early access that you hope by the time it comes out for real it gets a similar launch bump that some of your normal games get. It gets a whole new audience to say like, oh, here's the final game and not, oh, well, I played that two years ago. Why, why do I need to revisit it? Yeah, it's a really good question and for sure something we, uh, we think about a lot. So like, I think, you know, ever since the Bastion days, um, one of our not so secret weapons is, is that narrative plays a big part in our games. Um, and in Bastion, the whole one of the original ideas is like hey we really want to make an action rpg kind of like our our version of diablo but it's going to be a terrible diablo game because we're such a small team you know it's not going to have multiplayer it's not going to have 10 million weapons what do we do well we can give it a story we can we can like make these decisions that we're going to have to make about the structure of the game make sense in the context of the world and 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 furthermore you know it's a genre that seems ripe for storytelling um it's not storytelling has never really been the focus of the action rpg genre so let's try that and that turned out all right for us um so really similarly with hades we're like man we love playing these we love playing roguelikes some of them anyway um like dead cells or, or what have you or, or darkest dungeon um and it felt like it's it's a similar a genre in a similar place where like no one is really sort of i shouldn't say no one it's not true there is storytelling in many of these games from like infinity blade on i've found some of the like narrative 
conceits of roguelikes to be super fascinating. It's just we felt that we could approach the narrative of this type of game in our own way and kind of put our spin on it. I, I'd put it that way. Um, and the idea that the narrative could continue to unfold throughout the early access, almost like a, almost like a show, you know, where the launch is yeah. the pilot episode, that felt really intriguing. So the, a, a specific way that we can make the eventual sort of 1.0 launch of this game exciting is to use that as the opportunity to finish the story. And if we do a good job on the story, then that will be worthwhile. Um, and we could keep rolling out characters and stuff along the way. Like the updates, that was part of the appeal to us that it's not just that we putter around in early access, just like tweaking the damage on the sword for a year. Cause that's not very interesting. Um, uh, or not, <laughs> it is, it can, <laughs> It's not very interesting for everyone for a very long time. <laughs> yes. It is it is super fascinating in fact anyway. Um but if we're if we're building the story and you know it's it's continuing to unfold kind of in real time that way, I think I think our chances are greater of of keeping players interested and then having something at the end that um that does feel like a complete a super giant experience. So there there are certain of course there are a lot of folks out there who are like uh, I'll wait until it's done. And that's a super, like, I, I have 100% respect for that. I totally identify with the with the feeling of, you know, let me know when the game is complete and I'll be there. Because uh, that's going to be the more traditional sort of super giant experience where you'll be able to play the game beginning, middle, and end. Of course, it's designed around replayability, but it'll still have that, that uh, narrative structure to it. Um, and And you could just experience the finished thing um, so that's that's kind of our our strategy then is just to make the the updates in early access uh, significant and uh, kind of predictable uh, from a timing standpoint. Like we'll we're committing to these major updates basically a month at a time, uh, and then eventually to have some big payoff when when we call it done. Oh, and the last thing, of course, is that it'll then be available uh, uh, on a variety of platforms, which is important to a lot of players. Whereas during early access, we're just focusing on one uh, on one build of the uh, of the game, which lets us iterate and kind of design as quickly as possible. Do you have to? This is a question that maybe neither of us can answer, but that's yeah. fine. I'll cut it if I have to. Do you have to design with? Let's say this game takes another two years before it's done. Yeah. Neither of us have inside info. I'll just say that out loud. Uh, do you have to design with like next gen consoles in mind? Oh. Like, do you have to think about like twenty twenty one? Maybe that's it's not going to be PS four Xbox One anymore. No, that's a, that's a good question. So we do we do expect um, early access of Hades to last longer than a year. Like we don't think that the game will be done in twenty nineteen. We think we're going to yeah. be uh, in early access all all that year. And so we do. I personally do assume that there will be new consoles out there. Um, uh, like by the time for sure there will be new game platforms out there by the time we we decide uh, Hades is done um that's just like what 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 the calendar <laughs> can tell yeah. us right now we don't know what all <laughs> yeah so we don't know what all those those platforms are and that's why we're going to like defer on a lot of those decisions about which platforms it'll come to the thing is uh, though a lot of like to 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 platform makers they know that they they want to make it appealing for developers to bring their games to their platforms 
um so, you know what i mean so they want to yes. um they 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 think a lot about how do we make sure that developers don't have to change like everything they're doing to bring a game over but like yeah part of the part of the appeal to us of having this early access period is that we can we can evaluate that that information as as we as we gather it like if we know a certain platform is coming and we're really excited about it um we can plan around uh that you know we can think of it as part of our future planning uh basically yeah. so yeah i i think it's like we we like what you said we don't know we don't know what the landscape is going to look like when this game is out and part of having this this kind of long stretch of time to develop it out in the open means that we we can we have more time to to even make those decisions yeah uh last major thing because both of us have to get to work at some oh, yeah. point but uh you talked before about this game being designed with replayability in mind and usually when yeah. you think of games that are inherently replayable you don't think of narrative being a major portion of that because people are doing maybe this the same dungeons the same things over and over so it's hard to infuse this creative new fresh narrative into something that you're playing over and over again as a writer as a creative director as someone who values story how difficult has it been to infuse the world building and narrative that your team is known for that you love into a game that is inherently replayable where you're expected to die over and over again and revisit areas even if they are procedurally generated and new but revisit specific areas over and over again yeah i i mean um i i i find i find almost everything to be difficult um, <laughs> so uh no aspect of game development i feel like has ever i i i wish i could say that uh the time i've spent working on games has made any aspect of it easier but i i reconcile that with myself by by telling myself that if it's not hard if i'm not sort of stretching and reaching for something then it's then maybe it's not worth pursuing so it's hard but but the the challenge of it i found it like incredibly intriguing and and the whole the whole like premise of this game um where you know you're you're the you're the son of the god of death and you say screw you dad i'm out of here you run away from home but your home is the underworld so what happens when you die you're already there you just get dragged back to dad's house and dad chews you out and says you're an idiot you're not getting out of here that that was like it's done you know if you've played the game it's done in like a in a in a humorous way it's not it's not the game isn't quite as serious as it might initially appear um it's been super super fun to work on and basically to like approach uh the 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 roguelike structure from the from the mindset of like it has narrative continuity that that it's not like a retelling of the story over and over when you die um it it's actually just kind of in real time and every time you're you're just a character who's like incidentally immortal so dying is an inconvenience and you're like god damn it <laughs> like not again and and some of the characters at home are are supportive of you others kind of uh give you crap um and and i i was really excited for it because it lined up so well with what i feel is the true experience of playing a roguelike which is like a pretty slapstick experience um it's not like you know when you when you play dark souls or spelunky or something like that yeah maybe 
maybe some of the time you feel like a total badass, but a lot of the time you're kind of a bumbling idiot. You make a lot of mistakes and you're like, oh man, why did I do that? That was so stupid. Uh, I'll need to be more careful next time. And just like having a having a narrative that that aligns with that experience, uh, I think felt really, it felt really compelling to me to try to, to try to create that. Um, and that's not even getting into the aspects of Greek mythology that I have found deeply fascinating pretty much for all my life and finally had a chance to work on here of like yeah. the, the part where, you know, these characters, these gods who've been in, who've been around, they haven't been forgotten in thousands of years. There's clearly something compelling there. Um, why, why do people still know who Zeus and Athena and, and Hades are? Um, because there must be something there, but I think we're fascinated with them, not because they're gods, but it's because of their human traits. It's because they're just a big messed up family, um, that, that argues and fights and they're not perfect. Um, even though they're gods. So if the gods families, uh, are totally messed up, maybe it gives us, maybe it makes us feel a little bit better that our own family situations may not be perfect. And that to me, was like a deeply intriguing idea. Uh, felt very, uh, I, I could like relate to that a lot and wanted to, really wanted to explore that with the with the characters and and the themes of this game i do love the slap the slapstick aspect of that where there's so many times Thanks. in roguelikes you're just like fuck why did i do that like that was so yeah, obviously exactly. dumb why did i take that risk or why did i yeah it's obviously i was not paying attention enough in this room and i was doing great and now i messed it up but i kind of love the um it, the, the the Hades aspect of this when you come back and there's a big dude at like the desk essentially reminds me of Dragon Ball Z where when you you die you're suddenly in front of like King Yemma and it's like what did you do how did you die this time like yeah. what are you really thinking and like that I really love that aspect of it I, I think cool. that really Thank works you. and you did, would love to see that even more further on but and speaking of down the road and what you're working on normally I will sign off talking to you being like all right go on vacation or have fun reading the reviews or what's next? Do you want to reveal something right here? But now here's this living, breathing game that you're working on. So we know to a certain extent, hey, you're going to be working on this game all throughout 2019 being likely in early access and then maybe 2020s when the game comes out or early 2021. For you and your team, and maybe just focus on you personally, what is this holiday season going to be like for you? Because this game is out and it's not done, which has to be eating at you a little bit that you know you need to keep adding to it. Are you going to be able to relax over the holidays? Are you going to be able to chill and not worry about this? Or is the team sort of tinkering in the background while people are opening presents? No, um, as I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to be chilling over the holidays. I think we're like, we, it's all part of the plan. Like we, <laughs> um, we feel like the game is in a really good we're really happy with the spot the game is in. There aren't like burning issues with it. It's it, like people who want to play it, they can play it. They're having fun. We've we've communicated to we we updated the game um, uh, several times after the initial launch and have been very like communicative. I think with our players, we we let them know that our first major update is coming in a few weeks. But our we're we're done updating the game uh, for this year, and we're um, you know internally we're yeah we're right in the thick of our uh, of our next kind of major content milestone, but taking a break over the holidays, uh, in fact, starting after today, is all part of that plan. So nobody's touching email, nobody's working, no nothing <laughs> until after the new year. We need this break. Yeah. It's important um, because we we did um, we we prepared for 
an intense period, you know, starting December 6th, uh, the launch date, and then, you know, for the, for the following weeks. Um, and, and we took some time uh, before that, as a matter of fact, to prepare. Uh, and now, um, and now it's time for everybody to get rested because yeah, the, this coming year is going to be, is going to be action packed. Uh, but for us, like the part where it's a marathon and not a sprint is so vital. Like the, the most important thing that, that we keep coming back to like month after month and year after year is that we have to find ways to do this stuff in a sustainable way. We can't just burn the candle at both ends constantly because we will like, we will burn out. Um, yeah. And and we want to, if if you're someone like me who want who wants to work on more games, uh, and and who has like sort of an insatiable appetite around that, you you just want to be in a position to keep working on games for as long as you can. Um, and that means finding a pace that you can maintain, and that means taking breaks and uh, and kind of recharging your batteries from time to time. So we, um, I think we've had. It's been a really exciting year for us, and and I think now I'm I'm really glad that uh, my colleagues uh, and and myself, uh, yeah, that we're about to we're about to take a couple of weeks just to go do go do whatever for in my, for my part, you know, spend time with my family, catch up on more games that you know I maybe just scratch the surface of and do some reading, whatever, go on walks with my dog. Like I'm I, yeah. I'm a I'm a pretty boring person, quite frankly. Um, I I I just. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time with my work stuff, working on games, and then I got a family, uh, and I like to spend what time I have uh, just just with them. Um, no, no super exciting trips or anything like that planned, but uh, games get to take me away to exciting places, even yeah. from the privacy of my own home, right? So um, yeah. <laughs> We are really boring, to so I totally yeah. understand and respect that, that that is what I want to do <laughs> these next two weeks, is just like, let me play games and read and, and not actually travel, like maybe do one yeah. social thing just to fulfill and or ch you know, check that off the list, but I'm happy you and your team are taking that time and not obsessing Thanks. over it over the break. I, I have a feeling yeah. you, you've earned it at this point. <laughs> like, just take a breather. If people do want to play the game, it's it's, it's playhades.com. It's right on the Epic Store right now, front page. Yep. If people want to find you on Twitter, it's at Kasavin. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for doing this. I, I really yeah, my do pleasure. genuinely mean it when I say it's not just because you're on the call right now that your studio is one of the few makes me feel like a kid again when I suddenly see the 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 name Supergiant on a trailer I'm like oh my god here we go like it's it's another one of the Supergiant games I'm all all the way in it's one of the few studios that still kind of gives me that sense of wonder every single time um I really had a blast with the game so far I can't wait to see thank you what your entire team does with it over time I have full confidence it's only going to get better and it's already in a great spot so thanks again thanks for so doing much. this thanks again for all the time when you are such a busy person and giving me all these different podcasts over the years and <laughs> yeah look forward to seeing after again. Take the time, take the break, but look forward to seeing what you guys do with Hades in the future. Right on. Thanks. Thanks so much. It's good to talk to you. Perfect. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.